for today comes from the book of John, chapter 13. We'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 17. The words will be on screen, though I invite you to open a pew Bible or a device uh, handy to follow along. I'll be reading from the New International Version. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you all are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are moments in life when time slows down. I think of a wedding or a, a funeral, or an illness, or washing your feet at the end of a long, hard day of work in the fields. And some of those moments are ordinary ones, and others are these extraordinary moments of grace that happen only occasionally. And I think foot washing is one of those moments that is both ordinary and extraordinary. It's this intimate moment, like this painting from Mary Cassatt, a mother washing her child's feet at the end of a day of play. It's called the child's bath, and you can see it at the Art Institute in Chicago. And there's this pitcher on the side and a basin of water, and the mother gently holds this little girl on her lap with a towel wrapped around her, and she washes her feet. It's this picture of motherly love and care and devotion. 
And I, I, I've seen it at the Art Institute, but most of all, I've seen it at my wife Sarah's parents' house. They have a print of it hanging up in the children's bathroom for years and years and years. And I once had the opportunity of witnessing something very similar in a village in Laos. After a long day of work, I, I visited this family, the Toll family. And for years, I'd go see them and uh, gather stories and eat with them and listen to them to find out uh, what was going on in their lives and then uh, write a story about them as representatives for World Renew's Free a Family program, uh, an alternative to child sponsorship where you, you sponsor a family, and, and many families actually, but then we only select one family to be the representatives to, to share stories from. It's incredibly more efficient and a lot more of the money gets to the people who need it. Now, I shot this photo one time uh, with uh, Namsia and her son, Pochua, after a long, hard day of play. His feet were dirty. His face is dirty, if you can see it. And, and she poured some hot water into a basin, and it quickly cooled in the cold water, uh, in the cold air. And she, she washed his feet with one hand while she nurses her other little baby in her other hand. And their dirt floor soaked up the water pretty quickly. And I'm sure Pochua's feet got dirty again before he got in bed. But for that moment, his feet were clean. It's this picture of love. It's this moment when time slows down. And we've come to the part of the gospel here where uh, John has time slow down. And we've been going through the first half of the Gospel of John rather quickly, hitting a few stories here and there of the life of Jesus, and Jesus walking up and down all over Jerusalem for three years, doing signs and teaching and proclaiming God's kingdom. But here, chapter 13, is the beginning of the second half of John, the slow half, where time slows down and all the action is compressed into about 24 hours. And John's introduction to the story is telling. In verse 1, he says, uh, first, it is Passover time, just before the Passover festival. And that means that Jesus is about to do something that takes what the festival means and points it to him and to God's kingdom. Remember the first Passover we talked about a couple months ago. In John 2, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem and he clears out the temple courts. He removes the people selling doves and changing money. And then the second Passover in John, uh, which we, we didn't see, but jo Jesus feeds the 5,000 with bread and meat, just like the manna in the wilderness. This one is the third Passover of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John. And Jesus knows that the hour has come. That's the second thing. You see, already, even if you don't know how this story ends, though many of you probably do, you can sense that something heavy is coming. See, until now, Jesus has been saying, it's not my time. My hour has not yet come, but now it has. It is time for him to leave the world and to return to his Father. And then the third thing that John says in the introduction is that Jesus loved his own. He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. He loved them to the very end, to the telos, to the fullest extent of his love, to the end point of what was going to happen at the end. And this little, these little verses, a summary really of the whole second half of John, of what Jesus is going to do, of what some scholars, scholars call this book of glory. The, the first half of John is the book of signs, where Jesus reveals who he is by these great actions of power. And the second book is the book of glory 
where Jesus will reveal his glory in what comes next, and specifically by washing his disciples' feet. Now, the problem is evident from the beginning because we know that Jesus should not be washing his disciples' feet, especially not the feet of Judas Iscariot, that one in the background who will betray him, and yet he does. The the evening meal is in progress, and it's this meal that comes before the Passover, not the Passover meal itself, uh, but the, the meal before It's an ordinary meal, but a meal with preparation, a meal with a a sense of anticipation for the festival that is coming, sort of like the the night before Thanksgiving, when you eat something as you prepare for what is coming the next day. And time slows down at this meal. And as the disciples are eating and Judas is stewing in the background, Jesus gets up from the meal. And he takes off his outer clothes and he wraps a towel around his waist And he gets a a basin of water and he pours water into it. And then he washes his disciples' feet. And Jesus is doing this to show his disciples what he is about to do. And foot washing is common at this time. It's a common thing that people used to do in this time of Jesus because when you walk everywhere for days on end in bare feet or or thin little sandals on sand and rocks and dirt, your feet are going to take a beating and they will be dirty at the end of the day. So when a guest arrives at someone's house, the, the host might offer them water to wash their own feet. And just getting the dust off your feet can make a huge difference to how you feel if if you've ever done that at the end of a hard day. And not to mention this longer soap to to get the dirt out of the cracks and the wounds and the fingernails. Foot washing was an everyday essential part of life for Jesus' disciples. But it was also something that you do for yourself. Foot washing is not something that someone else does for you, except maybe in a really wealthy home where they'd have a servant to come and do it for you. But for the most part, it is not something that people do for each other. And it is not a a ritual of any sort that has to do with the Passover. So it is both normal and really weird that Jesus starts washing his disciples' feet. Yeah, they, they did need a good foot washing, but not from Jesus. That is not his job. They should have all washed their own feet before they even came in and sat down at the meal. And Jesus is taking on the role of the host, but also the role of a servant. He's washing his disciples' feet, and he's drying them with this towel. And Simon Peter reacts strongly, as you can predict, uh, when Jesus kneels to wash his feet. He says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Because Peter Bless his heart. He, he, he is the stand-in for everyone with a big heart and a big mouth that runs at a speed just slightly faster than his brain. See, he, he always says the wrong thing. He, he always says what everyone else is thinking, but what no one else dares to say, which maybe actually makes it the right thing, the true and honest thing to say. And Jesus' reply is telling. He says, you do not realize now what I am doing, but you will understand later. What Jesus means is that after the cross, everything will make sense. And as usual, Jesus is right. But Peter can't know what he hasn't seen yet. So Peter is adamant. He says, no, you will not 
ever wash my feet. And Jesus replies, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Meaning, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. You're not in with me. Because being part of Jesus, belonging to him, means allowing him to serve you. Allowing him to serve you even to the end. Now, Peter doesn't really get this either, but he is on board with Jesus all the way, so he impulsively says, then, Lord, wash not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. He wants to be washed in all parts of him that are dirty. He wants to be fully clean. But Jesus assures him that those who are clean don't need to be washed. Those who are washed in the blood, who are washed in the sign of living water, are clean. And Jesus' actions here, this washing and drying, are supposed to remind us of, a, of another story that happened in John just a little bit before, five days before this, in fact. At Bethany, Jesus was staying with Mary and Martha for a meal. And Lazarus, their brother who had just risen from the dead, uh, as we heard last week, was at the table with them. And Mary takes this fine perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet and she washes him with it and then she dries him with her hair. And what Mary does is exactly what Jesus does right here. The same words, the same actions. He, Jesus has come from God. He's the Word made flesh dwelling among them and he is returning to God full of glory. And one of the, the problems that we modern observers of this story have with Jesus washing his disciples' feet is that we don't wash each other's feet very often. Sure, you might wash your feet in the shower or in the bath for yourself, but when was the last time you washed someone else's feet? When was the last time uh, you saw this, this take place, maybe in church? Uh, some churches practice this kind of foot washing during Holy Week, on Wednesday or Thursday evening of Holy Week. Uh, Mennonite and Amish churches in particular practice it as an ordinance or a mandate, uh, similar to communion, they think. And I've done foot washing like this in small groups, uh, washing one another's feet, and it's this powerful symbol of service. In fact, uh, Sarah and I did it at our wedding when we got married uh, many years ago. Uh, first, I washed her feet, and then uh, she washed my feet as this symbol of what Jesus does, this service of grace and love and glory. But I'm not saying that we need to do more foot washing right now uh, unless I have a volunteer to come up and do it with me. Uh, I'm not going to make you all take off your socks and your shoes right now and come up and wash your, each other's feet because because half of you would refuse to do it, and the other half of you would uh, run me out and throw me in the lake. We drive in cars, and we wear shoes and socks, and our houses are fairly clean, so our, our feet are not that dirty. And if our floors happen to be a little dirty, maybe we just wear slippers so we don't have to feel the grit underneath. But we're not really comfortable with washing one another's feet. And, and some people might be okay with washing someone else's feet, but putting yourself in the place of having your own feet washed is especially hard for many of us. Maybe you're embarrassed about your feet. Maybe you feel uncomfortable doing it. Maybe you can't reach your feet very well. The problem is that foot washing is not a regular part of our lives anymore in North America. We, we don't need to wash our feet, so we, we come to this with a, a, an understanding that it's something unusual and strange that Jesus does. And in our sermon Bible study on Wednesday, we were trying to think of some kind of common, regular action that we do in our society that would be similar to foot washing, something that's both ordinary and, 
extraordinary, that conveys this sense of service and love like Jesus does it. And here are a few ideas we had. We thought of how when you're driving through a drive-thru and, and you pay it forward, you, you pay for the person behind you's bills so that they might pay for the next person and so forth and carry on this act of grace that is completely unexpected for someone you don't know. Or maybe uh, giving someone else a, a hand massage or a foot massage after a long, hard day. Or perhaps uh, um, washing someone else's hands might be a, a symbol that's similar to this, especially thinking in light of this pandemic where we've done more hand washing and sanitizing than many of us ever did in our lives. Uh, but the best one we could think of was uh, what might happen in some uh, retirement homes as people get older and they can't reach their feet anymore. They need someone to care for their feet. So some older people's homes have uh, uh, volunteers come in to wash people's feet, to give pedicures and manicures and trim people's nails and just look over your feet for wounds and bruises. And it's this, this service of love and care that is absolutely essential, but also deeply humble and deeply needed by those whose feet are washed. As you hear the story, what other ways come to mind for you of, that are like this service of Jesus, this washing of his disciples' feet, uh, and, and something that you think you could do? See, how could you put yourself in this place where you're serving someone with love and care and also receive that kind of service of love and care too? Think of something ordinary and everyday, but also something that is necessary and not easy to do, something that shows Jesus' love. Because that's what Jesus does. He washes his disciples' feet, even Peter's feet, even Judas's feet. And then he tells them to follow his example. And he does this out of love. He does it to show his glory. And he does this because of who he is. And he does this because this is what he will do on the cross. See, first, Jesus loves his disciples to the very end. He loves them to the culmination, to the goal, to the point of every sign, every word, every action that he takes. He loves them and as he prays for them. He loves them as he serves them. Yes, he is their Lord and teacher, but he is their servant. He lays down his clothes. He picks up a towel and water to wash them. And what Jesus does here is an echo of what happens throughout the New Testament. It shows up in Paul's letter to the Philippians, which we'll hear in a few months, how Christ, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the nature of servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because second, Jesus reveals his glory in this action. Every action Jesus takes from here on out leads to the cross, to glory. And it is never the glory that the world expects. It is the glory of servanthood and suffering. It's the glory of the triune God who becomes flesh and dwells among them in the person of Jesus. It's the glory that looks like foot washing, which is not just a glorious thing, but a humble, a quiet, a loving thing. And what Jesus does this night in washing his disciples' feet is the same thing that Jesus does on the cross for them and for all who believe. 
And third, Jesus does this because of who he is. He does this because he is teacher and Lord, but also because he is servant. He humbles himself by taking on human flesh. And I think the incarnation is just as great a sacrifice as the crucifixion. How Jesus humbles himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Jesus follows this pattern because this is who God is. He's the three in one who so loves the world that he gave his very self, his own son, that whoever believes in him might be redeemed and reconciled and renewed with all things. And the disciples, they will soon be teachers and leaders and lords of the early church. And when they have power, will they use it to serve and to be served? Will they follow Jesus' example in washing feet? And we know that the early church practiced foot washing really often as part of their life together, following Jesus' example. And finally, Jesus does this to point to the cross. And as we'll see in the next few weeks, we'll be following Jesus' last words and actions as he comes to the cross. And we'll move slowly at a snail's pace through John 18 and 19, pondering the the meaning of Jesus' sacrifice, considering how his kingdom comes through a cross, and wondering how we might give witness to this kind of glory. Jesus shows us how to be servants by washing his disciples' feet. And in doing so, Jesus is doing what the priests would do. See, before they entered the holiest of holies in the tabernacle or the temple, priests had to wash all the exposed parts of their body, their feet, their hands. They needed to be clean and holy to enter God's presence. And when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he is preparing them to be in his presence, which is the holiest of holies, which is God's flesh dwelling among them, God's holy presence right there with them, beside them, beneath them, above them. Jesus prepares them to be priests who witness to the glory of God as revealed in his presence, in his body, in his touching hands, and in his body hung on the cross to die. And Jesus does this because this is what it means to be a servant. He shows us how to serve and how to be served and how to give his life. And this is not an easy example for us to follow. How can we serve one another like Jesus did? Whose feet can you wash, metaphorically speaking, this week? And will you let Jesus wash your feet too? Will you allow others to be his hands and feet, serving and washing and caring and loving you? Because humility goes both ways in service, to give and to receive humbly as a servant. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what we said, he said we should do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our our teacher and our servant, we kneel before you, you who wash our feet and cleanse our bodies and make us new, you who show us how to serve and be served. We marvel at what you've done and, and at what you are doing. And we long to be like you. We want to be servants, to wash others' feet and to allow others to wash our feet that we may follow your example, that we may be known as people of loving, humble service. 
as people who put ourselves in your place of humble service that even goes to giving your life. And we thank you for your gift of life that comes through the cross, for the washing and the cleansing, for the healing and the love made known. We long to be like you, Jesus. So we ask by, by your spirit, shape us and mold us and form us to be your people, your humble people, your servants, that others may know us that way and that we may proclaim your glory revealed in suffering and service for the, for the glory of your name and your kingdom forever and ever until every knee bows and confesses that you are Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a response to the word, we, we sing a song that speaks of, of servants, service, which asks, will you let me be your servant? Let me be as Christ to you.